0: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 72 from Delving Into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at islam at gmail.com. Again, islam at gmail.com. And I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam or if you're studying the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you are already a Muslim who wants to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic is actually a topic that we tackled before. Um, it was uh, regarding uh, new converts or, 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 you know, new reverts um and we were talking about the steps you know that they you know should take uh, and to not overwhelm themselves and all these things and you know how to deal with their family members who have a problem with them being a muslim we talked all about that in in one of the previous episodes i think it was with the title of uh, i just became a muslim um now what i think that that was the title of the episode so if you you know wanted to learn more about that please uh, go back and listen to it now there was things that we didn't mention in that episode, and it's different types of challenges that face uh, new Muslims. And uh, actually, it was brought to my attention, you know, by a couple of our listeners um, that they themselves have been, you know, struggling with these challenges, and and it's overwhelming, and um, a lot of things have been, you know, affecting them in a negative way. So today, I wanted to, you know, just sit down talk to you a little bit and address you know all the new Muslims and address the Muslims who receive uh, the new Muslims and try to help them out because this is critical this is critical this is a very important topic very important the reason why it's very important because you, you you're you don't want people to be overwhelmed with something that is supposed to be beautiful And supposed to you know fix their lives and fix their hereafter, so that's why this is very critical. So this this episode is for the new Muslims and for the Muslims who are trying to help out new Muslims as well. Please uh, listen and Inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa taala give me uh, the knowledge to you know be able to uh, uh, you know navigate through this the this topic. Now, the first and the biggest misconception that Muslims have and some, you know, new Muslims have is that they think that once people convert to Islam, instantly their lives will get better. Instantly, everything will be, you know, roses and everything will be dandy and and beautiful and every problem, every issue they've ever faced will be, you know, gone and it will disappear. And this is very wrong. This is very wrong. Now, Islam is supposed to make your life better, more disciplined. Here, we're talking about this life. We're not talking about the afterlife yet. More disciplined, more clean, more focused. It gives you purpose. It gives you all these things, but it doesn't do it the moment you become a Muslim. It takes time. You need to understand Islam more, and you need to practice Islam more for you to feel that beautiful feeling. You know, and this goes to Muslims who think that when you know, when they're receiving a new Muslim, when someone converts, oh, what are they complaining about? What are they confused about? You have to understand this is a person who shifted their entire life 180 degrees. Their religion, their beliefs have changed completely. Their communities, their lifestyles should be changed. You know, if they used to drink, now they can't drink. it. they used, you know, for women, if they used to dress in a certain way, and men as well, they can't dress in a, dist- if they're like talking in a specific way, they have to change. They have to change every aspect of their lives. And it's very wrong for us Muslims to expect them to be extremely happy the moment they become Muslims. Now, there is a specific type of happiness for someone who was not a Muslim and then, when they become a Muslim, this this like burden that has been lifted, which is they are on the right path. And this is key. This is important. The problem is, don't expect them to throw everything out of the window because they just became a Muslim. It's wrong. These people have lives. They have. They might have issues with their families because of what they've, you know, the because of what they become, which is Muslims. So we have to be more patient with them. We can't say, oh, what are you complaining about? That's it. You're you're a Muslim now. You have no problems in life. Come on. If that's the case, then that means all Muslims should be worry-free, which is not the case. Islam is meant to teach us how to navigate through this life. It, It teaches us how to become happy. It teaches us how to be clean. It teaches us the most important thing, which is Purpose, worshiping Allah, getting safely to the hereafter. That is the purpose of life. Now we Muslims do deal with other stuff like you know financial crises and all these things, and you know, marriage problems and all these things. We are human beings, but Islam teaches us how to navigate through even those personal stuff. Then Islam tells us, which is the more important now, but I'm talking about like chronologically, Islam tells us how to be saved in the hereafter. How to not go to you know hellfire? How to reach Jannah, paradise? Perfect, the perfect religion. Again, we know this now because we've been practicing Islam long enough. We know this now because we we know about Islam, you know, enough for us to know this truth. But people who just became Muslims, what do you expect? Don't get me wrong; they should be very happy. But you can't expect them to not be overwhelmed. You can't expect them not to be stressed, you know. They will have anxiety. They're, again, they're, they, these are normal human beings who shifted their lives to become Muslims. So for us Muslims, we should be aware of that. We should be more considerate of that. Be patient with them. Don't tell them, don't give them a list of 100 things that they should do on day one. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Take it easy with them, step by step. You know what I mean? Step by step. Now, for the new Muslims, don't be overwhelmed. You've done an incredible job. You crossed the bridge from being a non-Muslim to being a Muslim. You crossed that bridge. You did the work. Now you have to maintain it. Now you have to develop your knowledge. Increase it. You know, know how to worship Allah little by little. Nobody's asking you to perfect the religion. And if somebody's asking you, then they're wrong. If somebody, you know, from the Muslim is telling you, no, 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 you should go right away. Come on, let's do this. It's not going to be sincere. And the number one thing that counts in our worship is sincerity, right? You can't be sincere when you're overwhelmed with what you're doing. So again, take it easy. Don't be overwhelmed. Take it step by step. But here's the thing. Me telling you to take it step by step does not mean get lazy. Don't get lazy. Take it step by step in, in, in whatever the capacity you feel like you are, you know, you're 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 getting things done. But at the same time, don't just sit, you know, uh, don't just sit down and be like, ah, let me let me just wait. You know, I need to be more patient. No. Allah knows what's in your heart. I know Allah knows if you're trying or not. We won't be able to, and we're going to get to the intention part in, in, in a little bit. But Allah knows what's in your heart, so don't be lazy. Now, another point is do not focus on people for new, for, for new Muslims. Don't focus on people, meaning don't focus on Muslims. Don't compare their religion or don't judge their religion based on those people. Stop worrying about people. You became a Muslim, stop worrying about community. Stop worrying about, you know, what people would say if this happens or what people would say. Or stop looking at someone who's doing something wrong and be like, wait, can you even do that? Islam is the perfect religion. Muslims are not perfect. There are bad Muslims. There are great Muslims. There are, you know, average Muslims. You'll find, you know, all levels of Muslims in your community. So that's why it's not a good idea to focus on Muslims themselves. Focus on Islam. Focus on the message of Islam. Focus on the purpose of Islam. Forget about people. Now, that doesn't mean do not socialize. That's not what I meant. Now, when it comes to identity, right? When it comes to your identity, being a Muslim comes first. Allah comes first. Well, by being a Muslim comes first, that means Allah comes first. What do I mean by that? Whatever you presume your identity is outside of the realm of Islam This comes after This is secondary You being a Muslim comes first Pray on time We're going to talk about that but Pray on time Do all the good deeds in the sake of Allah Don't do bad deeds also for the sake of Allah You know, avoid sins for the sake of Allah be kind to people for the sake... Make everything about you for the sake of Allah, for the sake of being a Muslim. Make your identity a Muslim first, then whatever you identify yourself by. Like, for example, if you're, you know, whatever. Like, Even in, in when it comes to culture. You know, a Muslim-American. Don't say American-Muslim. I mean, that's a joke that we say with, you know, I say with my friends. Because we don't we usually call down the news American Muslims, but technically we should be Muslim Americans, right? The thing is, my point is, Muslims should be one nation from different countries. from different, And by the way, it never contradicts. For example, being a Muslim and being American should never contradict should never you could be a muslim and american at the same time you could be a muslim and british at the same time you could be a muslim and french you could be a muslim and egyptian you could be a muslim and somalian it doesn't really matter it shouldn't contradict culture and islam should never contradict and when it contradicts you choose islam how for example in the american culture drinking is okay premarital sex is okay Okay, I'm going to avoid these things. That's it. I'm not going to come near these things. I'm not going to go to bars and hang out with my friends. No contradiction. It's, you know, I'm free to do whatever I want. As long as I'm not harming my community, that's fine. I don't want to go to the bar to hang out with my friends. I'd rather hang out with my friends in the masjid or at home or whatever, something that's halal. See, it doesn't contradict. Some people don't like to go to bars, not because they're, they're not Muslims. They just don't like the environment of a bar. You know what I mean? It shouldn't contradict. Us being Muslims is should be a unity, a unique unity that we're like Islam. You'll find Muslims, you know, uh, from different cultures, speak in different languages, you know, different skin colors, different backgrounds, different this, diff- different financial statuses. You know, it's that's the beauty of Islam. What unites us is Islam. Right, what unites us is Islam. So keep your identity as a Muslim first. And by the way, keeping your identity as a Muslim first will make you do great things. You know, like I'll, I'll give you an example. Sometimes, uh, um, if my wife and I were eating at a place, or you know, we're going somewhere, and then we decide to, you know, uh, put in, for example, a tip for for you know for the waiter. Sometimes we actually add a little bit more if, if we think that you know they're, de- they're of course they're deserving but we put more and we say what in it's a dawah. that's so they know that Muslims are generous so we make the Islam Muslims look good not Islam we Islam is perfect us trying to do whatever we want it's not going to make Islam look any better Islam is the perfect religion but I went to make the Muslim community look better look at them generous you know they don't think that we're cheap it's it's something that's trivial it's not a big deal but sometimes we try to do good to serve our identity as Muslims. We're proud of that, and we want to manifest it in how we deal with non-Muslims, or Muslims, of course. Do you understand? So be a Muslim first, then whatever you want to be, as long as it doesn't contradict with Islam, you can be. It comes, you know, second and third and whatever. Now, also, um, you know... um, The more, and this is key, the more you practice the religion, the easier it gets. So for those who are overwhelmed, for those who have, you know, anxiety, because there's a lot of things, you know, pray five times a day, fast, do hajj, say adhkar, make dua, pray nawafil. I can't, I can't take it. No, take it slow. Very simple. Don't be overwhelmed. Again, the purpose of being a Muslim is to remove, you know, all the anxiety from your life. And you can't remove it When you're already worried About the religion of itself Right Take it easy Step by step Allah understands If somebody comes to you With a billion You know Things to do uh, You know On your first day Tell them no I'll take what I can from it And inshallah I'm not going to overwhelm myself Because I want to be sincere Simple You know So the more you practice and, And trust me For those of you Who think that This is too much The more you practice The easier it will get you're gonna feel a lot better. Wallahi, I, I have friends who, in the beginning, they were very stressed when they became Muslims. And once they became Muslims, once they started, you know, practicing Islam, doing more stuff, now, mashallah, they say dua just like that. They say dua with no problems. You know, they pray five times and even more, you know, with the NOFL and everything. They don't, they got used to it. Because this is a human nature. You know, when you get used to doing something, خلاص, it becomes very simple for you to do. So that's, you know, my general advice. And another thing, and actually this this thing, uh, um, I added it because one of the listeners g- uh, sent me an email telling me to, you know, asking me to mention that, which is uh, Farah. Farah, thank you so much for sending your email. Uh, I really appreciate your, your suggestion. And, and, and Farah's suggestion was for me to Give an example of my daily routine as a Muslim, so you know people who are are you know don't know or they get confused throughout the day what to do and what not to do could you know learn from it. Uh, so I'm going to use that now because I think also try to have trying to have a daily routine, organize yourself. You know, will make you less overwhelmed, will make you more organized, will make you you know more collected, and that's what you want. Put you know, make a routine for yourself a daily routine when it comes to islam and inshallah you will feel better even if it's two things you do throughout the day that's fine i mean plus the praying of course right so i'll just share my stuff now i'm gonna share a little bit of i'll just share a day a normal day and um uh, again i'm not an example of anything you know i'm alhamdulillah i'm like consider myself an average muslim hopefully i'm you know i'm not less than that uh so i'm not nothing special but i'm just going to share what i do uh uh, every day now one you know uh, days are different days vary in terms of like routine and whatever but like you know i'll just give you the general idea or the uh, you know the uh, on an average day what do i do so the first thing that uh, i do is when i uh, um, i wake up for fajr alhamdulillah and uh, the moment I open my eyes, again, what I'm about to tell you in terms of du'a, you don't have to do this, pick whatever you want and do it. You know, this is not mandatory except for the five daily pairs. they are mandatory, right? They you have to do this every single day. but everything else I do, it will be great and it'll be you know much rewarded. but just pick and choose, don't be overwhelmed. The whole purpose of the daily routine for you to not be overwhelmed. So anyway, once I open my eyes, I do uh, something like what the Prophet ﷺ used to do when to say that brief du'a uh, Alhamdulillah, ladhi, uh, ahiyana ba'dama, ama This is a very simple uh, du'a that you basically say uh, uh, Thank Allah, Alhamdulillah, thanks to Allah who resurrected me, who brought me to life after I was dead and we all go back to Him Now what is that supposed to mean? When we go to sleep, there is an authentic hadith by the Prophet ﷺ who said that this is called the minor death. We die, but it's a minor death because our souls, they, they leave our bodies, but they're still attached to our bodies. That's why some people, they don't wake up when they go to sleep and they die in their sleep. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa Taala does not allow the souls to go back to the bodies. Because we wake up every day. Whoever you know, whoever wakes up, once you open your eyes, you need to remember the dua to say, "Thank Allah, thank you, Allah, for bringing me, me, for bringing me back to life after I was dead." Technically, when you were asleep, and we all go back to you. Alhamdulillah, ba'dama amatana wa So that's that's the first thing uh, you should do. Again, not mandatory. But try to do it even if she said it in English By the way, when you ask Allah for something When you make dua, when you make supplication You do not have to do it in Arabic Dua, Allah understands your language Because Allah created your language Allah created all languages There's a big misconception that Allah only responds to dua in Arabic Absolutely not Now when you recite the Quran When ready, recite it in Arabic you understand? When you recite Qur'an, when ready to recite it in Arabic, and it's not going to be, you need to memorize very few things, and that's it. But Qur'an has to be recited in Arabic. Anything else in English, asking Allah for something in your own language. I mean, not just English, in your own language. Allah understands any language. All languages are created by Allah. So whatever you're going to ask Allah with, whatever the language you speak, don't worry, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer your dua. So uh, I, I make wudu. Abolution, and then uh, I wake up my wife, and then we uh, pray Fajr. Uh, now, after Fajr, it depends. Uh, we usually are awake. We don't go back to sleep because we have uh, uh, three old, uh, three year years old twins who just drives us. They drive us nuts, and they wake up, Mashallah, very early, as if they're you know, as if they pray Fajr with us. Um, and they're twin girls, and. Usually we don't go back to sleep. So either if we're staying home, if this is like a day off, then uh, we uh, put on the, adhkar, the morning adhkar, and I'm going to, the morning remembrance. Now, the morning adhkar is a bunch of, a couple of du'as that you say, asking Allah to protect you throughout the day from people, from the, the shaitan, from the devil, from, you know, whatever that could harm you, uh, and acknowledging Allah's, you know, uh, uh, oneness and, and all these things. And it takes, like, it's like 20 minutes, multiple du'as, and it takes 20 minutes to, you know, finish. So if it were home, I'm trying to get, you know, my daughters to, you know, to listen to that du'a. So I, you know, put it on TV or whatever, and they listen to it. And alhamdulillah, you know, they they sometimes, you know, there's still three, but, you know, sometimes they they repeat certain words after the reciter. And you can find that on YouTube, or there are actually apps that you know have the morning car and the word athkar means uh, remembrance, and technically remembrance of Allah in that context. And you know they they have apps uh, that technically actually uh, translates all these duas, so you can understand what you're saying, and you can say it in your own language. You know, Rabbi uh, This is a simple dua. This is a sample. You're asking Allah, oh Allah, I ask you for the goodness of this day and whatever comes after. And I seek refuge in you from the evilness of this day and what comes after. Oh Allah protect me basically from any evil that might harm me this harm me or cause me, you know, harm this day, on this day, and I ask you to bring me only good. You know, on this day There's a lot of du'as that It's in the morning, Athkar Please, many apps You know, um, and you can find it Simply and easily on YouTube as well Now, this, when we're home And, and, you know, it's a day off uh, When um, I'm going to work If I'm not working from home And I'm going to work So I uh, recite them myself Uh, Alhamdulillah, Allah bless me That I memorized, you know, all the Athkar So I recite them on the way uh, to work uh driving in the morning. Um so that's that's you know how I start the day. And uh it is said that you know once you uh and, and it is said by the Prophet once you recite the Atkar, the morning Athkar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses your day. Unless something bad is meant to happen for you and there's no avoiding it, then you of course accept it as part of our you know destiny and our belief. So that's you know at the beginning of the day then you know i do work again if it's a working day i, I go to work and I, I or if i'm working from home i work from home then you know when prayer times come i pray uh sometimes i take a break from from work and then i you know do uh for example uh uh uh, uh you know um i study some some of the you know Some of the theology, some stuff about Islam. Basically, you know, uh, the translation of the, you know, some verses in the Quran. I do that for two reasons. Number one, for my own benefits, of course, I, I need to learn more. Again, nobody stops learning Islam until the day they die. I promise you that. You'll discover new things every single day if you are seeking knowledge, of course. And the second reason I, I study Islam is because, you know, for example, if I'm preparing for the podcast, I need to write down my notes. If I want to look up, you know, something, then I want to look it up and then, you know, write it, uh, and I write it down. So uh, after I do that, whether if I go back to work or if I finished work, I mean, it depends on the day. And uh, after that, you know, again, praying asr time, you know, the afternoon. And again, if you are, uh, if you can pray as a, me- as a male in the mosque, please do so. Female, you're not required to pray in the mosque, which is, again, nothing, you know, wrong with that. Um, It's more preferable, but if you can't, then, of course, you're praying home. is fine for the male as well. Uh, So, yeah. And then after that, you know, again, whenever the prayer time comes, it comes, and then I pray, because, like I said, the five daily prayers are mandatory throughout the day, every single day. Then, you know, on my way, uh, usually on my way back home, uh, if I'm at work, then I start either memorizing new verses that I'm you know, uh, i not memorizing or I reaffirm something that I uh, memorized before so I don't forget. So, reading Quran should be throughout the day with you. Again, for those who can. You can select whatever. You can listen to the Quran, by the way. If you don't know how to recite Quran, just listen to it. Wallahi, it blesses your day. I promise you that. Then uh afterwards you know uh you know spend time with the family you know go out take a walk you know go out for dinner do whatever you know play with with the girls and have fun with them and you know just living a normal you know day and you know try to you know in in their age you know when they're like they're now 3 try to you know little by little ask them to come pray next to and then give them prizes that that works perfectly you know when they see that you're rewarding them for praying inshallah that helps a lot uh you know uh tell them stories if you can from you know the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh you know um and after that uh again prayer time comes you need to go pray go to sleep early because you want to wake up for fajr early uh you don't want to miss fajr uh, um i i myself what i do is when when the girls go to sleep i put in the room i play quran so they're now they used to hearing quran when they go to sleep and actually, it's it's very beautiful that you know uh, sometimes when, you know, um, for example, the 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 phone uh, is not charge is not charged, and you know I can't play Quran at the moment when they're going to sleep and they have to wait a little bit, they actually don't want to go to sleep until I play some Quran, which is great, which shows you by the way that by like our nature, by nature, when we get used to something, it becomes we get used to it. You know, we become susceptible, like it's easier for us to deal with it. And, you know, because I remember at first when I played the Quran, the, the sound of the Quran didn't make them go to sleep and they were a little bit irritated. But once they got used to it, alhamdulillah, now they can't sleep without listening to Quran. Now, of course, they don't understand what it means. But again, it's a start because when they grow up a little bit more, they're not, the Quran is not something that's alien from them. They're used to it by now. So, yeah, put the girls to sleep, put some Qur'an, then, you know, uh, maybe do some work, you know, go record uh, some of the episodes on the podcast, whatever, like, you know, again, every day is different. And uh, then uh, I pray the witr prayers, which is the three uh, rakahs that we pray uh, before we go to sleep. Again, none of this is mandatory. Like I said, we've, the five daily prayers are the mandatory stuff, the the, uh, the, the Nawafil stuff are not uh although when you when you when you pray the nawafel which is 12 rakahs you actually Allah if you do this in one day sincerely Allah builds your house in Jannah don't forget that Allah builds your house in paradise if you pray for example the two rakahs before Fajr the four before Dhuhr the two after Dhuhr uh, Asr has no nawafil, the two after Maghrib and the two after uh, Isha then Allah, there are tw- uh, total of twelve. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala builds you a masjid in uh, a house in Jannah, and that's if you do it one day. Imagine if you keep doing it. It is said that the that the scholars have said either Allah expands the size of the house, or Allah builds more houses for you for every single day you pray Naafil. No now here's the thing: some might say, "What am I going to do with all these houses if I pray Naafil no every day?" Right. Don't worry because you won't get bored in Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't let us be bored in paradise, insha'Allah. So don't worry, inshallah you're gonna, you know, have uh, lots of fun in Jannah and you're never gonna get bored and you're definitely gonna enjoy all these houses, but isn't it if you insha'Allah and us go into Jannah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us with you know such a blessing. Uh, then I, I I make sure to sleep on wudu So I make wudu before I go to sleep Because it's a sunnah from the Prophet uh, Because when you sleep upon wudu uh, An angel comes and keeps making dua for you Until you wake up the next morning Very simple action Make wudu, go to sleep Now it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of your sleep You lose your wudu That's the whole purpose of losing your wudu when you sleep But you sleep upon wudu By the time you close your eyes and you go to sleep You are on wudu an angel comes and keeps making dua for you that Allah would forgive you and you know admits you into Jannah until Fajr time. Can you imagine that? Until Fajr time. So it's a very simple thing that if you do, Alhamdulillah, you're going to get that blessing. Uh, I also do, I say at al-Kursi before I go to sleep, the, the, the verse of Kursi from the chapter of Baqarah. Uh, and and that, you know, basically expels the shayateen if there are shayateen around you and makes an angel sitting right next to you, protecting you until Fajr time. And I try my best to sleep on my right side. I know I flip a lot while I'm asleep, but like, you know, again, I put, I make my status while going to sleep. That I sleep on my right side Because it's a sunnah from the Prophet ﷺ. The wisdom behind it is that When you sleep on your right side I mean one of the wisdoms Is that you don't get a fully restful sleep Some might say What? Isn't it supposed to be the opposite? Didn't the Prophet ﷺ do something To make things you know, better for us? Yeah, guess what? When you have a fully restful sleep if you, I think that happens when you sleep on your left side You will not going to wake up for Fajr The Prophet ﷺ When you sleep on your right side, it's less restful. And it helps you to wake up, uh, you know, uh, during uh, or for Fajr. And waking up for Fajr is very important because, again, you can't miss it. You cannot miss it. Uh, So that's my daily routine. You know, I make sure to sleep early to wake up the next morning. And then when I wake up the next morning, again, with a little variation, almost the same thing happens. Um, So, yeah, that's, that's it. So pick whatever you want. Do the wudu thing before you go to sleep. You're gonna get rewarded for it, inshallah, and you're gonna get the dua of the angels, inshallah. By the way, when you do something to follow the sunnah of the Prophet you get rewarded automatically. So just do it to get rewarded, you know, try to sleep on your right side. These are not really tough stuff. Oh, I forgot. Um, um, I also when after Asr time, after I pray the afternoon prayers. I also say the the evening athkar, the 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 evening remembrance, and the evening athkar you say after asr. Uh, actually, uh, there are the same, you know, uh, same duas that you make in the morning, but you make it for the night time. So instead of, like, for example, رَبِّ أَسْأَلُكَ خَيْرَ هَذَا الْيَوْمِ You say, رَبِّ أَسْأَلُكَ خَيْرَ هَذِهِ اللَّيْلَةِ وَخَيْرَ مَا بَعْدَهَا وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ شَرِّ هَذِهِ اللَّيْلَةِ وَشَرِّ مَا بَعْدَهَا Basically, literally the same dua, but you just flip it to nighttime. So you say, Oh Allah, I ask you to give me all the goodness of this night because, you know, from asr time till the morning, you're mostly spending, you know, this is nighttime uh, oh Allah, give me the goodness of this night, and uh, I seek refuge in You from, you know, the evilness of this night, and uh, so forth. Like all the du'a, you flip it and you you twist it to you know nighttime, and basically these two sets of du'a, the the, the morning athkar and the evening athkar, protect you from anything bad unless something that has to happen to you because we all know i don't know if you guys know but dua when you make dua you ch- you can actually change your destiny when you make dua so if something is supposed bad supposed to happen to you if you make enough dua allah won't make it happen to you and allah will change your destiny um but we don't know which is which so we don't know which destiny could be avoided by the dua and which is not but we again like we said we make the dua. We hope for the best, and we do what we can. And may Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala gives us uh, only what's best for us. Now, so that's the general uh, stuff that, I, that my general thought uh, on this. One of the listeners, uh, her name is Amy. Uh, she emailed me recently, and uh, uh, and she was uh, frustrated because uh, she's uh, she's about to get married to a, a Muslim brother, and. His family, uh, she, she, she's a non-Muslim, uh, uh, his family uh, are doubting her intentions. His family, again, are doubting her intentions. They're saying that, oh, she became a Muslim just to marry our son. But she didn't do it for the sake of Allah. Technically, that's that's the gist of you know the message. This is very dangerous. For a Muslim to, number one, claim that they know the intention, <laughs> the intention... Of someone else Is very Very dangerous Do you know why? Because only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is the one who knows the intentions Even our prophet Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Said I don't know the intentions of people This is a hadith I don't know what's in the hearts of people So for you to say, I know why she did what she did or I know why he did what he did is very dangerous and very un-Islamic. We cannot treat people based on their intentions because we will never know their intentions. We will never know. Now, we treat people based on their actions. That's what a true Muslim should treat people like. Based on their actions. Not based on their intentions, it's laughable. It's laughable because we do not know their intentions. Allah did not create us with that ability. Imagine it would, it would been, actually it would have been very like chaotic if you can know the intentions of everybody you talk to, or that if you can read their minds, it would be a mess. It would be a mess, you know, because some people sometimes have bad intentions and then they repent to Allah. But then, if you know this is intention, then what are you going to do? You're not going to you know, want to talk to them ever again Right? Allah is the only one who knows the intentions So don't put yourself The Prophet ﷺ himself said I do not know the intentions So you think you're better than Prophet Muhammad ﷺ? Because when you claim that you know the intentions When you say Oh, she, no I think she converted because of You know, other reasons You're literally putting yourself in a better place Than the Prophet ﷺ Do you really think that? Do you really think that you know the intentions and the Prophet didn't? Allah gave you that gift, but He didn't give it to the Prophet This is completely wrong, completely un-Islamic, and let alone judging people. So dealing with people based on "quote unquote" intentions, which you don't even know them, you don't know the intentions, is hundred percent wrong. Now, when you see some actions, and these actions are not, you know, good, we're talking about now a different case. And you judge people thinking that you're better than them Thinking that they're less than you This is also un-Islamic Because you don't know what those people do in secret Between them and Allah That could make them better than you In the sight of Allah قوم قوم Allah is telling us Do not make fun of people Because they might be way better than you are You just don't know it You don't know how people think You don't know what people do in their you know, secret let alone guessing their intentions. Don't guess anybody's intent. This is dangerous territory right there. Very dangerous. Only Allah knows the intentions, not you. Like, for example, the situation that happened with Osama uh, ibn Zaid, who is, you know, a famous companion. He's the son of uh, Zaid ibn Haritha. Mm-hmm. For those of you who remember, he uh, Zaid was the adopted son of the Prophet wasallam. You know, uh, he was the only companion that, you know, uh, mentioned in the Qur'an by name, Zaid. Uh, so his son... Uh, was leading uh, an army in a battle, and then one of the disbelievers kept, you know, killing all the Muslims. So Osama took, you know, his sword and he started chasing that, uh, that, uh, you know, that pagan, and he cornered him, you know, in an alleyway, and then uh, he was about to kill him, but then the guy said, "Oh, you know what? la ilaha illallah, wa Rasulullah." He basically, uh, you know, said the testimony of faith, but Osama killed him anyway. Now, Osama went back to the Prophet wa sallam, and told him exactly what happened, and this is Osama telling us, right? He he, he uh, Osama reported that he 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 never, never ever seen the Prophet wa sallam, more angry than that day. The Prophet Wasallam's face was so red, and he, of course he was not angry in like you know in, in, in a dramatic way, but like his face showed anger, right? And then. The Prophet ﷺ kept telling Usama, You killed him when he said La ilaha illallah. He said it three times, and actually that shows uh, the significance of the situation. Again, the Prophet ﷺ repeated, he, You killed him when he said La ilaha illallah. And then a the third time, You killed him when he said La ilaha illallah. Then Usama said, Well, he technically didn't mean it. He was just saying that so I don't kill him. I mean, if you look at the situation, the guy literally was killing Muslims left and right moments before Osama cornered him. And then when Osama cornered him, he said the you know testimony of faith. Come on, this guy did not love Islam in two seconds, right? You could tell. But then the Prophet he was mad. He was angry. And then when Osama told him, hey, he was faking it. Come on, he did not mean it. Look at what the Prophet said. He said, I was not sent to dig people's hearts. This is when the quote was, you know, uh, the hadith was mentioned. Allah didn't send me to inspect people's intentions. I do not know it. You do not know it. We cannot treat people based on what we think their intentions are. Even though the situation was kind of clear, but still. The guy said, La ilaha illallah. He's a Muslim. Now, whether he truly meant it or not, this is between him and Allah. We do not deal with people based on their intentions because Allah did not give us that privilege. This made the Prophet so angry. So for people to treat, for Muslims to treat people based on their intentions, it's kind of a ridiculous notion. The Prophet sallam himself is saying, I was not sent to do that. To dig, you know, uh, people's hearts and to inspect their intentions. You know what Osama said after this situation? He said, I wish that I wasn't a Muslim so I can retake my shahada and become a Muslim and all my sins are wiped clean. This situation basically gets wiped from my book. Because we know that, you know, if you are a non-Muslim and then you convert to Islam, all your previous sins are clean, are wiped clean. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, basically there's a clean slate between you and Allah. So Osama said, I wish I wasn't a Muslim, and I did what I did while I was... Of course, it's a metaphor that I wasn't a Muslim so that when I retake my shahada, right, Allah doesn't count this from my sins, because now he realized the significance of what he did, how bad it was. Now, of course, he can't do that because Allah, you know, you can't even, you know, leave Islam and then try to play this game and come back to it, because I've heard people... Talking about this, even I've heard some some uh, non-Muslims who are thinking about becoming Muslims, and they're saying, "Hey, how about if I wait a little bit so I can do more sins, so when I convert, you can't play games with Allah." Come on, you can't you can't do that. You don't guarantee anything, you know. But back to the uh, to the point: you cannot treat people based on their intentions for a simple reason because you do not know their true intentions. It's that simple another situation that happened that they were the Muslims were about to go to battle and then a, a Bedouin comes in a, a guy comes in he's not a Muslim and he says I want to be part of you guys have do you guys have the spoils of war right you have the booty of war and the prophet ﷺ says yeah I mean if we win the battle the the spoils of war yeah we we get it that's yeah by law yeah I mean the law of wars right so the guy's like all right I'm gonna fight on your side Then the Prophet said, "You can't fight on our side. You're not a Muslim." So the guy leaves. Then he comes back, and he said, "Listen, uh, I'm 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 going to help you. I want to help you." Again, a Bedouin is is known to be very really rough. They're not strategic when they think, you know, and all these things. This they live a a rough life in the desert, so they were basically, you know, I'm going to come to war. I just want the spoils of war. So the Prophet said, "You're not a Muslim. I can't." You can't fight for us. You're not going to be sincere. You're just fighting, you know. So I can't. So the guy leaves again, and he comes a third time, and he's like, "What? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, rasulullah Can I come to war now?" Guess what happened? The Prophet said, "Welcome to Islam. Yes, you can." This situation is very clear that the guy took the shahada because he was interested in a spoils of war. But the Prophet didn't say anything. Didn't be like, "Oh." Come on, man. It's too obvious. No, you can't. No, he said, Welcome to Islam, brother. Come aboard. The Prophet ﷺ did not ever doubt anyone's intention unless their actions were speaking for themselves. Then this is a different case. This is a different situation. We treat people based on their actions, not their intentions. Leave the intentions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Leave it to Allah. You know? So that's for, you know, Amy's situation. Amy, please uh don't don't be overwhelmed this is un-islamic Muslims shouldn't do that so talk to them if you can uh, or talk to inshallah your future husband if you can uh, and tell them this this is this is right and at the end of the day Allah knows your heart they don't so their opinion should not matter well of course in the marriage should matter but I'm saying should not matter when it comes to your sincerity in your religion. Allah's say Is what matters That's only because Allah is the one Who knows the intention Not them Not anyone else Like I said Even the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Never doubted anyone's intention When It was clear that It was very clear That they did But The Prophet said I was not sent here To inspect hearts And to inspect intentions That's not my job Not my job So They Can't claim That they know your intentions Because they're not better than the Prophet sallallahu So that is uh, for Amy. May Allah subhanahu wa taala make it easy for you, Amy, and uh, welcome to Islam. And I hope uh, that you know, uh, if you have any questions, please uh, again reach out uh, and uh, stay steadfast. Don't let anything you know shake your your belief in Allah subhanahu wa taala, because that's what really. Matters, uh, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you happy and make this marriage, if it's good for you, make it, uh, uh, you know, uh, happen and remove all, you know, all the flaws and all the issues from the hearts of, you know, the family that you're about to, you know, uh, uh, be committed to. So that is for Amy. Now, I have another question or actually multiple questions from uh, a longtime listener, Stacy. Uh, who I've been talking to recently about, you know, multiple issues, marriage, and all these things, and we, we're going to have a specific episode about marriage and the rights of uh, a husband and the rights of a uh, of a wife in Islam uh, to, you know, clear things out, uh, you know, uh, for Stacy and a lot of Muslims actually, uh, especially new Muslims who don't know. You know, how does it work? You know, the the rights of, you know, uh, uh, the rights of a husband and the rights of a wife. We will talk about that. We're going to have a specific and a special episode for that, inshallah. But she also had other questions. She's very overwhelmed. Stacy's very overwhelmed because she's getting many opinions about one thing and sometimes they're contradicting. Uh, and, and she's I th- I'm assuming she met with those people that I was talking about in the beginning who give you like a 100 things to do on day one. And you should do this. You should do that. You should make this die You should do this. You should do this. And it becomes overwhelming and instead of it being a pleasant experience and a life-changing experience in the right and in a beautiful direction. It becomes very overwhelming. Now, someone like Stacy feels like she has to do a billion things in, in, in one day and she's overwhelmed and she has a job and she has a family to take care of. She has the absolute right to be overwhelmed. If I were if I was in her place, I would have felt the same or even worse. That's why, for our fellow Muslims, take it easy on new Muslims. I know you're excited. I know you want to teach him the whole religion, but just do it in a smart way. Do it patiently. You know, be patient with them because again, those the beautiful people who became Muslims, they did it changing your their entire lives their lifestyle everything they are already overwhelmed by the way just by this move they love being muslim it was a choice you know but don't just give them a billion things to do just take it easy on them be with them you know just take it easy slow slow and then until they you know Get a grasp on things Then you could, you know Go a little bit faster Now you can go and tell them Hey You know, you can do this You can do it But not now Not in the first This is all the first stage You know Just give them some You know, room to breathe Give them what's mandatory Tell them how to do it And that's it But giving them like Oh, do you have to Like, she was telling me Like she has to uh, And and we'll we'll, we'll talk I'll talk about her email She was saying basically People telling her Oh, before you go to the the bathroom You have to say this du'a After you leave the bathroom You have to do this du'a You know, when you wake up You have to say this du'a This du'a None of the du'as, like the du'a, is beautiful. We should, as believers, make du'a all the time, but you can't ask a new Muslim to re- recite all the du'as in one day and pray the five daily prayers and pray the nawafil and do this and go to work and just everything should, you know, come in time, right? So, for example, one of the questions, you know, she was asking is that, you know, some people are saying you should recite Quran in 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 Arabic. Some say, oh, don't, no, recite it in your language, and then, you know, recite it in Arabic. So here's, here's the answer to that. Recite Quran, there's no recitation in, in English, just to let you know. You don't recite Quran in English, it doesn't even exist. But what you do is... You can, and there's, a, I think it's called the translation, it's which is basically the Arabic words written in English letters, uh, and you can recite that, and you can hold a paper or a book, whatever you can, or a phone, a website, whatever, and you can recite the Fatiha, which is, this is mandatory in every prayer. Fatiha, which is chapter number one, is a mandatory chapter that should be read in every prayer, every raqa, in every prayer. So recite that from, you know, again, like I said, a piece of paper, write it in English. And when you get more comfortable, again, nobody's asking you to learn Arabic. By the way, Arabs are about roughly 15% of Muslims worldwide. Do you understand? You have 85% of Muslims who are not Arabs. They don't speak Arabic. Well, they speak certain Arabic like, like, you know, when it comes to Quran or Hadith or whatever. That's it. So don't be overwhelmed. Again, 50%, 15%, 15% of uh, uh, of Muslims are Arabs. The rest are not. So don't worry about that. Just recite the Quran in the way I'm telling you and then once you memorize it, you don't even have to look at if you don't know how to read Arabic. If you if you have time to learn Arabic, great. But apparently because you know, because you have so many like you said uh, responsibilities, and you have you know children to, to take care of, and you're a single mother, and all these things. You, Allah understands this. Allah knows your situation, so don't stress yourself out. Just do this, you know, Arabic to uh, to English kind of letters uh, thing, and then um, you know, read uh, read the chapter number one, which is a very short, short chapter, by the way. Read it in every rakaz, and you're good. If you have time to learn more learn more you just that what's important is how to you speak the arabic you don't have to read it from arabic you know books right just memorize how to you know and you can play it in your car play it on you know on youtube play it on tv at home the the first chapter and you're going to inshallah easily memorize it memorizing the quran is easy once you again practice listening to it and you know reading it but if you don't know how to read arabic then just listen to it and write it in english and that's it simple you know, uh, another thing that Stacy was told is to change her name. And it's mandatory to change her non-muslim name to a muslim name. This is wrong. As a new muslim, you don't have it's not mandatory to change your name. Nothing in the hadith, nothing Now, there's one thing that the prophet ﷺ used to change bad names to good names. Had nothing to do with non-islamic or islamic. Bad names like for example Yathrib We mentioned that before. Yathrib had a bad meaning for Medina. So the Prophet changed it from Yathrib to Yathrib, we said it means someone who belittles someone or you know brings down someone and he changed it to Medina. You know, and he did it with people too, people who had bad names, names who had bad meanings, you know, to good meanings. But like for example, somebody's name Stacy, she can stay as Stacy. She doesn't have to change to anybody else, to like an Arabic name or a Muslim name. That's never in our religion. It's not mandatory in any way, shape or form. That simple. And also, Stacey was told that she has to marry quickly. You know, you're a single mother. You're a Muslim now. You have to get married. Who said that? Now, it's better if she has a family, of course. Islamically, you know, it's Islam and Islam encourages marriage and families. But if she's, you know, she's not ready yet or she can't find someone who is decent enough or is religious enough or whatever her criteria is, she can't be told, "Oh, you have to get married now." It's not mandatory. It's not mandatory. It's preferable. Yes, it's encouraged, but when you do it the right way. Let her take her time. Again, let her breathe. Do you understand? Don't, it's that simple. It's not mandatory to get married just because you became a Muslim. That's not, that's very incorrect. Taking, um, somebody also told us she should take her family's pictures off the wall. Now, here's the thing putting uh, 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 pictures or sculptures or anything that has a soul. Meaning, if you have a picture of an animal, a picture of uh, people, it's not suppo- you're not supposed to have it hanging on a wall, and it's you're not going to be sinful, but angels won't go into your house. Why? Let me explain. I explained this, by the way, before, but I'll explain it again. Because angels, the idea of you're hanging something, you're giving it status. You're giving it, uh, what's the word? Um uh, you're praising it somehow when you hang it on a wall now angels do not tolerate the idea of someone drawing something with a soul and basically it belongs to that person so if someone draws a picture and they write their name on it and you would be like wow look at this 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 artist amazing look how he created this animal now whether while you truly believe that nobody creates animals but Allah, but this is just a picture, angels do not tolerate that. Again, angels are the perfect worshipers. We can't even, that's why Allah did not send uh, angel messengers. So because they do not tolerate that, they don't come into your house until you take it down. Now you can put it, like for example, uh, our wedding picture. We have a wedding one wedding picture that you know uh, used to be hanging. So I took it down and I put it on a lower level. You can put it on the table, you can put it on a desk, you can put it even on the wall, but you know, on a lower level, like you know, below your eye level. The reason why you don't want to be praising it, you don't want to look up to it, and you know, again, angels do not tolerate this. It's fine, not a big deal. Also, Stacy was uh, uh told that she has to make a du'a before using the bathroom. Now The concept of you have to, it's not mandatory. Meaning, if you don't make the du'a, you're not sinful. But it's better if you do the du'a before you use the bathroom. All you have to say is, oh Allah, protect me from the evil jinn. Because what we know about the jinn, that they live in our bathrooms. They live in places where there is filth. And the filthiest place that we have is our bathroom where we, you know, uh, release our, you know, basically waste. So they live in there. They live in the bathroom. And because they live in the bathroom, so you're asking Allah to protect you from their whispers and all these things. It's that simple. Oh, Allah, protect me from shaitan. Oh, Allah, protect me from al-khubthi wa al That's the actual uh, hadith. So all you have to say is, Oh, Allah, I seek protection uh, from you against the male jinn and the female jinn or against jinn in general. That's it. It's very simple. You can say it in English. No problem. Allah understands English. He created English. Uh, Washing after using the bathroom. Actually, there's a big misconception here. Some people say that you have to use uh, the bidet. I have a bidet myself, but it's a cultural thing, right? uh, It's it's a cultural thing. Using water is not mandatory in Islam after you use the bathroom. The companions, the Prophet ﷺ, they used to wipe with tree leaves. They used to wipe after they used the bathroom Now they used to wipe very well And clean very well But they didn't used to use water The people of Yemen The Muslims of Yemen at the time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Said that they are basically They are more uh, They have extra bonus When it comes to belief And when they were asked why They found out that they used to use water So they used to wipe and then use water To wash Using water to wash is gives you extra uh you know protection and extra because you don't want to pray while you have any, you know, leftovers of any you know waste. But wiping, this is what the Prophet and the companion used to do. There was the luxury of water was not there. This is a big misconception. Wiping is totally okay as long as you make sure you are clean. Nothing comes out in your whatever uh, toilet paper, whatever it comes out white and clean, then you are good to go. Washing is extra. Do it; it's great. It makes you feel better, and it makes you, you know more sure that you are clean. But it's not mandatory. Uh, another thing that uh, you know, uh, she was told that you have to do a du'a before you do a- everything. That's very incorrect. You don't have to do du'a before everything. Just say Bismillah before you do everything. Just say Bismillah by the name of Allah, and you do whatever you do. This is recommended. You have to say that as a Muslim, as a believer. You don't. You don't have to say a full du'a before everything. There's a du'a before you eat, yes. But just say Bismillah, and when you learn the du'a, you learn it. It's not mandatory. Again, say Bismillah before you do anything as a Muslim. And the last thing that Stacey was a little bit overwhelmed is like there are wrong hadith, there are accurate hadith, there are authentic hadith. Which is which? How would I know? Just ask There's nothing wrong with that You can even look it up on You know, online Look up the hadith that says this Is it authentic? And look at the sources You know, ask anybody who knows You can ask me You can ask anyone that you trust Because I ask I go online and I ask scholars And I ask and I do this it's, it's okay It's easy, relax Not a big deal Seriously You know Don't be overwhelmed Just take it easy Go easy on yourself You know the, the, the authentic hadith are known. Don't worry, there's no mix, there's no weirdness here. The wrong hadith, the inauthentic, they are also known. It's just because you now, in, in, in a time where all the information could be online, mixed with each other, yeah, sometimes once in a while somebody would say something wrong, but it's easy to verify. That's what I'm trying to say. So that's, that's you know... Um, uh, how I wanted to uh, address the challenges uh, of, of, of new Muslims again. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't focus on Muslims. Focus on Islam itself. Use the help of Muslims who you know that they're going to help you sincerely, and they're not going to overwhelm you. And if they do, just ask them to relax. Be like, I'm, I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But you yourself, don't be lazy. Do everything for the sake of Allah and know why you did what you did. Why you became a Muslim in the first place. Don't Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. You did it for the sake of Allah. You did it to go to paradise. You did it to go to Jannah eventually, inshallah, and you will. So don't let worldly stuff overwhelm you. Don't let it cause you anxiety. Just go easy, and inshallah, you're going to live the most beautiful life. Because again, at the end of the day, Islam is meant to give us peace in this life and in the hereafter ultimately of course the whole the the, what's important is the hereafter but also it was meant to give us peace in this life thank you so much for listening and i hope i was able to you know address the issues amy please no muslims ever period should judge people based on their intentions may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know purify all of our intentions and by the way us as muslims we have to purify our intentions renew it that's actually a thing when you do something for like for example when me sitting talking to you guys right I'm not doing it so people can you know find me on social media and ask me hey how are you I'm so happy that I I don't I, I'm flattered and everything but like I have to renew my intentions I'm doing this only for the sake of Allah only for the sake of Allah I'm trying to get the reward from Allah so I always remind myself this is for Allah this is not you know for people to say this and that about me I don't care this is for the sake of allah so whenever whatever you do always renew your intention like for amy for example you're doing it for the sake of allah keep reminding yourself of that stacy you're doing everything for the sake of allah keep reminding yourself of that purify your intention all the time you know all the time And uh, again, Farah, thank you so much for your uh, beautiful suggestion about the daily routine. I hope anybody uh, out there would learn anything from it. Uh, And thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.